Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friend. I am your host, Patrick, and my good friend is Eric. Follow us on Letterboxd. I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey. Each episode, we pick a film to watch together and secretly pick something to watch on our own inspired by that choice. It's still Halloween time. Ooh, Eric. Halloween ah. has, has finally passed us by. It's been a very scary month. How do you say it like you? it's not the best time of year? It it was it was a great time of year, but this year I was a little overwhelmed. I, as you know, I was doing the Hooptober scavenger hunt, and I was also doing the twenty four hour film fest, and it's a lot of movies to watch in one month <laughs> to make sure they get done by Halloween. I'm no stranger to watching multiple movies in a day, but it almost, almost felt like a job at some points. I will say. Yeah, that sounds like too much. Yeah. It didn't matter though. Cause um, you know, I saw some great movies. I saw some crappy movies just like any other month, but you know, they're all horror movies this time around. Yeah. Halloween is my favorite time. We have this tradition where uh, we used to womp womp have a dog who hated strangers. Mm -hmm. So we got in the habit of just going downstairs, even though we really don't get trick or treaters and watching horror movies on Halloween. So that's always like a fun little tradition to end the season for me. Nice. Nice. And you continued it this year. We did continue it this year. We watched a movie I'd never seen before somehow. I was oh. ashamed to admit as a Stephen King fan that I'd never oh, okay. seen the original Children of the Corn. Oh, because wow. Well, I've never like, seen it either. <laughs> oh, wow. That's crazy. Because we yeah. are both crazy, big Stephen King fans. This movie was, it was very Stephen Kingy. Okay. Because it starts off with this really kind of fun concept, I guess, if you can call child murderers fun, which they're <laughs> adorable. Uh, taking over a town, just killing a bunch of adults. But then the end is so weird. There's like a spirit or demon in the corn, maybe. I don't know. Things just go off the rails. <laughs> These kids take control of the town. They kill a bunch of adults on the word of this creepy little kid who I absolutely loved. Um, first of all, Linda Hamilton's in this, which I had oh, wow. no clue. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Um, this creepy little, little religious zealot kind of forms this cult of children who murder everyone. Apparently the movie takes place three years after that, even though none of the kids have aged a day, uh, but there's kind of several references to it. And they're just a creepy little religion around this, this tiny boy who says awesome things like question, not my judgment Malachi. And um, yeah, strangers come Linda Hamilton and her husband and they're, they're trying to get out of this town and a whole bunch of stuff goes sideways. There's weird things in the corn that are just kind of, kind of out of nowhere. I remember the short story it was based on. It was only like 15 pages. So there's not much there besides creepy kids worshiping some corn monster. So I guess they had to add a lot to make it into a feature. Wow. That's really weird. I just placed a hold because I'd never read the, I thought it was a book. I'd never read the book either. Um, and I think it said the audiobook was a couple hours. So I wonder if he eventually went back and like fleshed out. 
You know what? It might be that they are, it's in one of his short story collections. So maybe it's the whole short story collection that you, that is a couple hours long. Maybe. Because that short story, and I'm pretty sure has never been published as like a, a, or expanded into anything bigger. But But, you know, if you're going to listen to a couple hours of Stephen King short stories, that's also great. Yeah. Uh, I did notice it's directed by the director of Tough Turf, Fritz Kirsch. Tough Turf was a lot of fun for the 1980s teen rebellion movie. James Spader is a hotshot teenager. I think I talked about it on the podcast, but that was fun too. So, Yeah, and uh, apparently a movie called Gore, but just G-O-R. Kind of <laughs> that does look like oh you know this that's our bread and butter right there this like that looks like an amazing <laughs> film that i hope i've seen before and have forgotten yep oh wow this that's got jack palance in it all right let's add that to our our watch list yeah this um immediately going on to my watch list <laughs> especially because apparently there's a a character in the movie named tarl Tarl. <laughs> oh, An American Tarl. professor, Tarl Cabot. <laughs> Shouldn't it just be Carl Cabot? <laughs> this is like a fantasy something or other, so they have to make it a little weird. Also, it's probably made by Italians by the look of it. <laughs> I, that sounded racist. I don't think it is, but it sounded no, no. really racist. It's not racist, but the Italian, the, the Italian fantasy, fantasy genre. Yeah, spaghetti fantasy. It's a huge genre. And some of these names are very uh, Italian sounding. Urbano, Barberini, Rebecca, Ferrati, you know. Jack Palance. Yeah, Jack Palance. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I think I'm going to talk about movies that I'm inspired by after hearing what you talked about. So in the Stephen King vein... This was part of a 24-hour film festival. It was not a Stephen King movie, but it is a Peter Straub movie. One of Stephen King's King's contemporaries. It's not The Black House. It is um, Ghost Story. Ghost Story, 1981, directed by John Irvine, starring a bunch of old people, because it's really about these old men uh, including Fred Astaire and Douglas Fairbanks, um, who are, they call themselves the Chowder Society, and they get together in this small New England town to talk about like urban legends and Chowder? ghost stories and things. Chowder. <laughs> Shouldn't it be the um, Chowder Society? But it turns out that they have uh, a sordid past, an incident in their past that may come back to haunt them and is killing people around them, including their children. It is like an adult movie in the way that it's about adults. There's, it takes its time. There's no big jump scares. There's, it knows the characters ages and kind of uses them in its thematics of, you know, what this story is about, the nostalgia, the, you know, uh, growing old and forgetting your past and uh, things like that. Um, but it has some really great practical effects, really creepy ghost stuff and some wacky performances by, you know, just a lot of random actors that are just doing their best. (laughs) So I I liked it. I liked it. It's like a three-star movie, solid Halloween vibes. 
if you're up for something a little more low key with some uh, old school charm, I would recommend it. Ghost Story. Hmm. I don't have anything on my list comparable to low key charm. Um, <laughs> but I did watch another horror comedy that's like relatively new, and I can't believe I never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, called The Final Girls from 2015 by Todd Strauss Scholson. I have no mm-hmm. idea if I'm saying that even right. Uh, starring Malin Ackerman and Tysa Farmiga. Mm-hmm. And this is basically about. Um, a group of people who get sucked into a horror movie, which is like one of my favorite things when people uh, almost like, um, that John Candy movie, was that delirious where he gets knocked into his own soap opera? Oh, I never saw that movie, but that, I think that's it. it, Yeah. Harry Crumb, Harry Crumb, I think is the one where he, he gets knocked into his own soap opera. Mm hmm. Um, and it's that kind of movie. This girl's mother, uh, Tysa Farmiga, plays the daughter of Malin Ackerman, who is a scream queen in what is clearly supposed to be Nightmare. I'm sorry, Friday the 13th. And her mother passes away at the beginning of the movie, and she has this kind of like. Um, this the grief cycle is just kind of ongoing it's i think supposed to be a year later she's going to a convention for this movie that her mother was in you know 30 or 40 years prior and her and her friends all get sucked into this movie and they have to like go through this kind of groundhog's day-esque scenario where the movie restarts every 90 minutes so they have to kind of get through this movie and figure out how to get home it was pretty funny i really enjoyed it and it's okay. like my favorite little little micro concept of, you know, a horror movie version of another movie. Right, right. Kind of like the one you talked about last week, which was the which one was it? It was back to feature version of this. Yeah, back to uh, <laughs> totally killer. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's see what is good off my list that hits that. I think okay. So this is a sort of a modern slasher film that owes a lot to its predecessors. It was from France, 2003, High Tension, which I might have made you watch way back when because I was obsessed with this film after I saw it at a film festival. I don't uh, – it, it does not ring a bell yet. It's uh, by Alexander Aja, who you would recognize. He's done some movies now in America, Crawl, Oxygen, Horns, Piranha, 3D, (laughs) some great stuff. Anyway, this one is about two girls who are traveling through the French countryside to go visit one of their families, and then they get terrorized by this guy in a van who starts murdering everybody around them. And he, the gore and the practical effects and the the, um, craft of the direction is really good. Like Alexander Aja really knows how to keep the tension going from like this bare bones minimalist slasher story. Uh, And that's a lot of fun to watch towards the end. There's a twist, which you, if you saw the twist, you would probably hate it. I know you, (laughs) (laughs) but it's not a great twist to be honest, but it, it was, uh, it wasn't as bad. It wasn't as bad as I was worried it would be. So I haven't seen this movie in 20 years. So I was kind of worried that it would be, you know, it would have really not worked, but it was fine. It was fine. 
the movie has enough going for it that I still think it's worthwhile. Any fan of a slasher film who likes just well-crafted kills and tension should check it out. High tension. <laughs> All right. Maybe I will. Probably not. Because I think you probably made me watch that already, even though I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, 20 um, years ago. I have a movie with kind of a twist. It's also full of literal toilet humor. It is mm. Glorious, the 2022 film by Rebecca McKendry, about a man trapped in a rest stop bathroom with a Lovecraftian <sighs> horror occupying the, t- the toilet stall next to his. Um, this movie... If you watch the trailer, is clearly a glory hole that is <laughs> occupied by, um, like I said, an eldritch horror that is begging this man to satisfy him. Oh, God. <laughs> the entire movie basically takes place in this bathroom with the exception of very few scenes cut away or before the man becomes trapped in the bathroom. He's just broken up with his girlfriend. He's driving cross country, trapped in the bathroom. If this sounds like a concept where you have no idea how they're going to stretch this out into an hour and a half, those instincts are correct because this movie has a very strong opening, probably 40 minutes or so that I thought were very funny. And then it's clearly just trying to make it to the full 90 minute runtime. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was very funny. J.K. Simmons is the voice of the God in the, the glory hole. There is a twist with the glory hole, which I don't want to ruin because that genuinely did make me laugh out loud. <laughs> um, but otherwise, yeah, it's just maybe watch it at 1.5 speed. Oh, wow. That's that bad. It All just right. gets a little long. There's no, usually in movies like this, you know, you watch a lot of person trapped in a place movies. Have you seen glorious? I have not, not yet. Well, I mean, this is your kind of movie, but usually they'll cut away to things that were happening in this person's life, mm-hmm. you know, or things happening outside of the room. And even if it's like, you know, the person who's right outside the room, as is the case with that safe room movie, yeah. this there, there's no cutaway. It's just a guy in a bathroom. It is a single act, single person play that kind of runs its course, but then just keeps going. Oh, that's unfortunate. I, I guess uh, my instincts were right after you first told me about this movie. Oh, yeah, well. I mean, I did enjoy it. it it's worth a watch. Mm-hmm. But like I said, 1.25, if you, if you have the ability to watch a little faster, I think it would be it, it would have been a really good short film. Got it. All right. Um, all right. So I'm going to talk about horror comedy, which I'm sure you've seen, but I don't know if you've actually seen it all the way through. It's one of those movies that would play on like TBS back when we were young all the time. This was the probably the one the one of the top three movies at the twenty four hour horizon. It is nineteen nineties Tremors. Oh man, I feel like I've probably not seen that whole movie, but I've yeah, definitely right? seen parts of it on like TNT. Yeah, exactly. This is the, that was is this the Kevin Bacon one, right? Yep. Kevin Giant Bacon, sandworms. Fred Ward, yeah, Reba McIntyre, <laughs> Victor oh Wong, God. yeah, this is great. It's 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 a it's a really good movie. It is from the opening, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward, these kind of like uh, 
handymen that work in this small desert town dream of bigger things and try to, you know, just, they have such great chemistry, more chemistry than 99% of romantic comedies. They're just great together in their banter and their shenanigans. And of course, when the giant worms attack, um, all the people you've met in the small town have to band together to defeat these things. And what is so good about this movie? First off, the script is solid. The direction is really good. But what really struck me is that it it's so cool to watch like this old school movie that obviously takes place and is set in like a real location, you know, like this real desert location that you can just like see it. And you just know that this is real and the characters are, you know, walking around in the dirt and the sand and these real wooden buildings. And then you get these great practical effects, these iconic shots of like the floorboards popping up as the worm travels underneath them, like things like that. There's so many cool uh, shots in this movie, cool action scenes, cool set pieces. And, such colorful and fun characters running around through the whole script. It's really a great movie. I really loved it. Tremors. Definitely watch it all reason, the way through. For some reason, I feel like I always get Tremors and Critters mixed up. I don't know uh, okay. why. I don't think they're at all similar. Does Critters also take place in like a desert thing? I no, don't know. It is like a horror comedy. So I guess that's yeah. similar. And the title. I think they maybe. were like out at the similar time-ish probably within a yeah, couple of years were. of each other. But yeah, I just can't keep those two movies straight, and I've never seen – I don't believe I've seen either one of them. Okay, well, I definitely think you should watch Tremors. It, it, you, it's a lot of fun. Cool. I also watch – so we have a Halloween party every year where we just kind of show a couple movies, and one of the movies my friends picked was Hereditary, the 2018 film by Ari Aster. Mm-hmm. Ari Aster's films, I think, are a perfect metaphor for everything A24. Not only does he make A24 movies, but they're all, they have this vibe. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily like the movies, but I love the way Ari Aster tells a story. Uh, like, yeah. I did not like Midsummer one bit, but I appreciate that that movie looked really cool and was like, doing something yeah and i feel better about her i still don't think it's a great movie i know lots of people absolutely love these movies this was much better the second time i watched it this recent time um i'm not sure how to really describe this movie because for a large part of it you don't know what's going on but i guess it's old enough to spoil the whole thing essentially the movie starts with the death of tony collette's mother and uh, weird things start happening to their little daughter. Hearing this noise, which I never thought was creepy until I saw this movie. <laughs> um, yeah. The tongue, the tongue clucks. The teenage boy has to bring his daughter. I'm sorry, his daughter, his sister to a party, which I thought was really weird. That Tony Collette is pushing him to take his clearly much younger sister to a high school party. But whatever. Honestly, the setup for that is is pretty clunky, I thought. The setup for the whole sequence is pretty clunky. 
Yeah, I don't know why they didn't just have him like, the oh, the parents are going out. You have to watch your sister. And then he gets invited to a party and just takes her because he mm-hmm. can't leave her alone. Like it mm-hmm. was su- such a weird, weird setup to have her basically beg him to take his sister, who's like four or five years younger than him, to a high school party. But anyway, yeah. obviously she has a nut allergy. Um, and he has to drive her to the hospital while he is high. Her head gets knocked off by a telephone pole. (laughs) Yep. And then the movie just kind of progresses from there with the parents and all of the, the guilt and the anguish over the death of their daughter. The son cannot sleep. Um, and eventually a demon is uh, resurrected by a cult that her mother was a part of. It's a very wild movie. I really appreciate the buildup this time seeing it. And I wasn't probably because I knew what was happening and I didn't. The first time I saw it, I remember thinking, wait, they just resurrected. It. This is weird. But I appreciate much more this time. The kind of gravity this movie could have been such a crazy, hokey, campy 80s movie. You're literally watching a movie about a cult resurrecting their demon god. Um, <laughs> and it sounds very satanic panicky. It would have been a hokey, campy 80s movie. But the way Ari Aster tells the story is with such gravity, mm-hmm. um, so much weight behind this that you don't... This This insane concept is just treated so seriously. Um, and I really appreciated that part of it. It's still kind of a weird, crazy movie, but I enjoyed it a lot more a second time. It almost made me want to watch Midsummer to see if I wouldn't hate it the second time. (laughs) So I was not as much a fan of hereditary as most people. Everyone really loved it when it came out. I remember that I like it. I think it's a good movie, but I think like we were saying, there's some clunkiness to the script. There's, a lot of things aren't set up very well and it has some really great direction in it, but it's just not cohesive enough for my liking, I think. Um, but yeah, Ari Aster, I could tell from that movie was going to do something better. I thought Midsummer was better, but I only saw it the one time in the theater and I really loved it at that point to watch it again. Maybe I'll switch. Yeah, it was so long ago that, I mean, everything pre-pandemic seems so long ago. And this was definitely one of the, mm-hmm. I think one of the last movies I saw, Midsummer in the theaters. Mm-hmm. And I just, I did not like it. Like, not at all. Mm. Okay. Have I don't, you seen I, his third movie yet? Uh, Bo is Afraid? No, but I really yeah. want to. I yeah. love Joaquin Phoenix is one of my favorite like he's just a guy who only does interesting projects, even if they're not all good. Although now he's going to be in Napoleon, but it is Ridley Scott. So eh. uh, I, I saw the trailer through my eye, through my, my fingers over my eyes when I was in the theater the other day. And I have to say what I saw looked pretty good. <laughs> it does look pretty good. It's just not like where Joaquin Phoenix is anymore. He just does not to say he only does little indie films. Cause obviously he was in the Joker, but that was also like an arty, arty movie. He does these like really weird, cool movies lately. Mm-hmm. So it was just odd to see him going back to that, like big budget Hollywood epic kind of thing after all this time. Yeah. I think Ridley Scott's been having a bit of a Renaissance lately. So I'm, I'm definitely happy to see it. Happy to see, 
uh, Joaquin Phoenix in a movie like that with him. What uh, what would you consider Ridley Scott's recent renaissance? Because the Alien movies he's been working on are awful. No, no. After that, he did uh, two movies. Uh, let me get the titles right. The House of Gucci and The Last Duel. Oh, I, I see the House of Gucci. The last duel was the one where Matt Damon looks like a redneck, right? In medieval times. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> He's got like a mullet. <laughs> Matt Damon, yep. the inventor of the mullet, wants to duel <laughs> you, Adam Driver. Um, and I have to say, uh, those are two very interesting movies. Last duel especially is very good. Wow. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say The Last Duel is good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm not alone. It's got 3.7 on Letterboxd, so eh. I, gave it a, I gave it a four. <laughs> oh, well. Ridley Scott's one of the old school directors that I appreciate. You know, at least his movies always look good. Um, and yeah, even if they don't work like the alien, more recent alien movies, I'm always going to give him a chance. Yeah, I love Ridley Scott's older, older stuff like the 70s, 80s, 90s work is some of the best. But mm. I don't know. I wouldn't say his uh, post-Gladiator catalog is impressive to me. But I also haven't seen a couple of those movies. So, yeah. All right. Well, let me move on to, uh, based off of yours, I'm going to talk about a, another A24 movie that I saw called It Comes at Night. Have you seen this one? I Directed haven't, but by... it's been on my list for a long time. I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, it is a post-apocalyptic movie starring Joel Edgerton. And uh, it's directed by Trey Edward Schultz, who makes some weird movies. And it is, um, you know, it doesn't really explain what the apocalypse is. We follow this family that is, um, safely ensconced in this house in the middle of the woods where they have a very regimented sort of way of living in order to stay safe. And then things are upended when they get a visitor. <laughs> and that's all I'll say. Um, but it does a lot of interesting things with the direction and a lot of interesting things with the performances. Joel Edgerton, I was never really a huge fan of, but I think I'm liking him more and more. He's doing some very interesting movies and um, in this one, I can kind of see, like, he really carries it with his enigmatic performance. He's like this, the father of this family that is trying to keep everyone safe. And what he believes and what he's trying to do may not be the best, but you can kind of see that on his face as he's trying to, like, wrangle what he should be doing in these trying times. It's it's interesting. And the movie is pretty scary as well. Joel Edgerton is always interesting to me, mm. not for his acting ability, but for my own inability to keep him separate from Jeremy Renner. <laughs> for some reason, it, before Jeremy Renner was Jeremy Renner and was everywhere, I could not tell those two apart at all and even now mm. i can never remember joel edgerton's name unless somebody has said it i'm like discount jeremy renner i don't know why <laughs> well he's definitely uh now that i'm looking at his filmography i probably should have started liking him earlier because he's in some really cool movies um i think i first saw him in warrior remember that mma movie 
with Tom oh, Hardy. Same movie with Tom Hardy, yeah, I was not yeah. a fan. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that. So that was the one that I think everyone loved. But then uh, he did It Comes at Night, The Green Knight, which I still haven't seen. Um, the A24. Gift, Midnight Special. Uh, oh, he's in Loving and Master Gardener. He has a lot of interesting movies that I should check out. He's also in Star Wars Episode 2 and 3. I don't know who he was. <laughs> uh, he was Luke's stepdad. Oh, okay, okay. Hello, Owen. I was going to go to Toshi Station. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Are you talking about Anakin's stepdad? No, Luke's stepdad. Luke, I don't know. I don't remember any of these movies. I mean, <laughs> Luke Skywalker had a family that was murdered by stormtroopers that he didn't bother to grieve. And that was... um. That was who Joel Edgerton played in the prequel movies. Okay. Got it. The guy who ends up getting Luke's Luke's baby, raising Luke as a baby. Okay. Well, He's thank you for clearing like, that up. <laughs> for about 10 seconds. He's oh, okay. literally basically half a step up from a voiceless extra. Right, right. Uh, so are there other movies you want to talk about for Halloween season? There is I Saved the Best for Last. I've been yeah. waiting to watch a movie mm-hmm. since I saw the trailer probably two years ago on a random move DVD that I took out of the library and was like, what is this glorious movie? Okay. The film is Mandy, the 2018 movie written and directed by Panos <laughs> Cosmatos. Oh, I'm excited. It is... I think somebody just filmed an acid trip and put it on on film, and I loved every second of this. Nice. This is about two broken people, played by Andrea Riseborough before she was really anyone, I think, mm-hmm. and Nicolas Cage, who has also always been Nicolas Cage, even before we knew who he was. <laughs> yes, he's eternal. Um, they're two broken people who are kind of like puzzle pieces that just fit together so perfectly when we spend the first part of this movie getting to know them as a couple these two damaged broken people she has a history of being abused he's a recovering alcoholic who is also a logger that'll be important at some point in the movie (laughs) yep um and then this this cult comes to town led by it's clearly supposed to be a play on the Manson family. Um, a failed musician is leading this, this cult through sheer force of will and charisma question mark. He's a very weird person. Uh, but all of the members of this cult just will do anything to please him. And he, he requires Andrea Riseborough who he saw while they were just kind of drifting down the road. They're building this, um beautiful church in the middle of two mountains which was like really cool in this like little valley uh so they they abduct riseborough using cenobites on motorcycles i'm not kidding this movie is like the satanic panic when our parents thought listening to heavy metal and playing dungeons and dragons i'm pretty sure they thought you would turn into the people in this movie yeah this is what they were picturing (laughs) yeah that's what they were picturing it was like this group of weirdos in robes abducting women and you know sacrificing them when they won't bow down to your sexual desires after you've drugged them with lsd i'm assuming Mm -hmm. um 
This movie reminded me of like when your D&D group gets tired of being heroes and they say they want to play an evil campaign, but then also <laughs> they want to set it in modern times, but they're still using the D&D, like the same rituals and stuff. At one point, they summon this motorcycle gang, which again is just Cenobites on motorcycles using the horn of Abba, Abraxas or Abaddon or something like that. And there's like another relic in this where they, they eventually stab Nicolas Cage's character with the blade of something or other. I don't know. This movie is just my vibe. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they end up sacrificing the girl because she won't have sex with the, the cult leader and embarrasses him by laughing at him where he stands naked on film full frontal for a good <laughs> couple minutes, which was just yep. shocking and amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, this movie is like every cd or album cover from an 80s metal band came to life and and just made a movie and i loved it 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 is the most heavy metal movie i've seen it really is yeah there are even animated like heavy metal the movie-esque little interludes in this because andrew riseborough's character was an artist uh of some kind Mm -hmm. god i loved it and it looked cool i actually started watching this movie outside and I decided it looked so much better even on my laptop screen because of all of the cool lighting effects they do. This movie uh-huh. is bathed in like blues and purples and uh-huh. like just the coolest looking visual style. It's kind of got this grainy, gritty, grungy, almost 70s type of film stock. Yeah. But also, like, you can tell that it's shot on much higher quality film that we have today, but it's kind of replicated that look of, like, a classic 80s slasher, because I think this does take place in 83, I think they said. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just loved everything about this movie, including the chainsaw fight, which is what I saw in the trailer. (laughs) That I was like, I have to watch this movie. Iconic, iconic. Nick Cage in his underwear crying for five minutes or whatever it was As he relapsed to alcoholism <laughs> spoiler alert yeah just one oh, of man. the greatest nick cage freakouts of all time as he's literally drinking half a bottle of vodka in like a two minute span while he has a complete mental breakdown uh i'm so glad you like this one i'm a fan as well i can't wait to watch it again i want to get like a 4k blu-ray or something and just like i don't know take an edible and watch it. (laughs) I was going to say, I might have been a little high when I watched this and it was the the perfect, just to be a little bit, I've never done a hard drug, but Mm -hmm. if you told me watching this movie was like taking acid, I would not at all be surprised. It is the exact vibe that I think, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just phenomenal. And I found out that he has another movie. Um, Let me, see what the name of it is that is supposed to be a according to him a sister piece he was dealing with some loss in his life Mm -hmm. uh beyond the black rainbow is the other movie that he had made yes that's kind of supposed to be related to this movie somehow um don't get don't get your hopes up on that one i will say i saw that a couple years ago and was not a fan so But, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Maybe I wasn't on the right wavelength at the time. And if I watch it now, I'll like it more. But I found that it was the bad version of everything we've been talking about. <laughs> oh, well, but, that's but, you know, it, it could just be that I, I was in the right mood to watch it because other people seem to enjoy it more. Yeah, I just 
even if I hated the story of this movie, which I decidedly did not, Mm -hmm. this is one of those movies that just had such a cool visual style that I would recommend this to almost anyone. Excellent. Just to see something totally different looking and totally cool. It's amazing what they can do with just simple lighting effects. Right, right. Just really, I think most of, (laughs) yeah, most of the, the, uh, visual of this this film i think was accomplished just through like putting a couple different color gels over lights and using a a film stock and otherwise just shooting it straight there was a lot of work i think with double exposures i'm still trying to figure out how practically they did some of like the drug-like effects especially um if you remember the scene where the cult leader is kind of you know performing his soliloquy to Andrea Riseborough when they just drugged her and how crazy it was. There's like an extended three or four minute close up of this guy's face where he doesn't blink. Okay. But at times his mouth is moving and at times it's not in time with the words. I, I can't describe it better than that, but I'm still trying to figure out how, how they would have done some of these things that are probably pretty simple, just double or triple exposures, but used to great effect. Mm, okay yeah i you're making me want to watch it again so this might be my favorite movie i watched in like months and months oh awesome i'm so happy to hear that that's great (laughs) all right well maybe then i should talk about my favorite movie that i saw during this halloween time i rated four movies four and a half stars during this time two of which i'd seen before they were rewatches so um, let me see. I'll talk about the most horror, horror-y one of the, of that, of the ones that were new to me. 1976. This is a classic horror film that I had never seen. That was greatly disturbing. It is the Omen. Have you ever oh, seen this? I haven't actually. I've never seen that or Rosemary's baby. I haven't seen the exorcist in a very long time. Yeah, this goes right along with those other two and stars Gregory Peck as this diplomat whose wife in the opening scene has a miscarriage and the hospital where they are giving birth, the uh, priest who's running it takes him behind the scenes and says, look, your, your child died, but we have this other child that the mother has passed and we can just switch the children. No one would know. And then you'll have a male child, a healthy male child that looks like you. And he agrees, you know, this is back in the seventies when, you know, you can, things like that could have conceivably happen. So he, they start raising this baby that the mother thinks is hers. And Gregory Peck knows the dark secret that it is not, but they're very happy for many years until the child Damien starts showing signs that all might not be well, that he might not be the child they think he is. (laughs) That boy ain't right. Yes. Um, I won't go into details because most people have probably seen it and those who haven't should just watch it. But there's really disturbing scenes in this movie. Um, Some like indelible images burned into my eyeballs of like, is the omen the one with the spider walk? Or is that no, um, that's the exorcist, the exorcist. Okay. Yeah, no, this is, uh, this is, 
I, I, I don't want to spoil what happens in this movie because for the few who haven't seen it, I do recommend it. It's just a really solid horror movie. It has uh, such a simple, cool plot and just great set pieces, including some really not just disturbing things, but just like really well executed tension. Uh, it's directed by Richard Donner, Superman fame and the Goonies fame. So Lethal Lots Weapon of fame as well. In that Donner family. Yeah. I heard he throws a pretty mean party. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Just pray you're not invited. Oh man. So yeah, the omen, I'll I'll gush about it. It's just, it's just a great one. Uh, Just like a classic, big Hollywood horror movie that they can't make something like this nowadays uh, with that budget and that star power and, and be, have the same subject matter. I don't think that would fly, (laughs) you know, come. Yeah. So, it's uh, definitely recommended. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I watched a lot of stuff in October, but I don't know that I have much more to comment on. Really, just everybody, yeah. please watch Mandy. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, if I, I think the takeaways: watch Mandy, watch The Omen, and then uh, watch more movies. You'll find some fun things in there. So, All right, so uh, it's my turn to pick something from your watch yeah. list, huh? Speaking of fun movies, there's nothing not fun on my watch list. Uh, you know what's not fun is realizing one of your best friends has never seen the Shokasugi Revenge of the Ninja and Enter the Ninja. I don't know what's <laughs> wrong with you. I can't pick those movies because I've already seen them, but I was so disturbed. That's the most disturbing thing I've seen this month. <laughs> well, is that those are on your to watch list. At least they're on the watch list. <laughs> right. Well, at least they're on the watch list. I mean, you got to give me some credit for tra- for trying. <laughs> but the movie I'm going to pick, I'm going to keep the horror going. Oh, with okay. Mad Mutilator from 1983. <laughs> God. I think this is one of those low budget maybe direct video. It sounds ones. the director is NG Mount, which obviously <laughs> sounds like he came straight from a theater in North Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> okay. What what would you pay made you pick this one? Because it's got an awesome title and the movie poster is great. Yeah. And I think Uh, I I know what I'm getting into, but let me read this little letterboxed uh, description. For Ogroff, the mad lumberjack, the war is not over yet. What lumberjack war was there? (laughs) Ogroff, an AWOL soldier turned hermit, lives in the French backwoods and, still believing war to be raging, slaughters anyone who enters them. One day a family's car breaks down in Ogroff's domain and a fight for their lives begins. Oh, uh, Ogroff. And it stars the director as Ogroff. <laughs> you know, I don't see how this could be bad. You know, this movie's good when I start clicking on every actor in it, and this is their only movie. <laughs> That's an indication of quality. They knew yeah. they were going out on top. <laughs> 1983. So this is kind of a regional horror early days. All of the people I follow have given this movie five stars which is one reason that I had it on my watch list. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. One review is it has no beginning. It has no end. Ogroff is forever. So that's, that's the kind of vibe of, I want. Yep. 
Well, Could you write that on my tombstone? Because we know I'm going to die first, so. Such Sights to See, along with my other projects, can be found on ProLeary.com. On Letterboxd, I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey, because I'm longer. Thanks for listening, and as always, have a good night and sweet dreams. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. <laughs>